On today's episode of Long-Winded by Nature, we have our first ever guest. It is my wife, because why would I have anybody other than my wife as the first ever guest? We're going to talk about the New York City Marathon that just happened, everything that went into the training, who she trains, how she trains, her marathon history, New York City bathrooms, the good, the bad, the ugly. And we're going to wrap it up in a way that you would have never guessed Swedish hockey players come into the equation. I think it was five years ago that I first realized that the basement would be a good set of sorts. And Kelly, my wife, was the first guest ever on this ridiculous pseudo talk show that I had in my head and then set up and then started like having guests come and sit down. And Kelly was the Kelly was the pilot episode. So for the first time in this podcast, very small history, we have a guest. Hi, babe. So happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Just like it was last time, though I'm not, I think last time I was, I was baked before we started. I'm not right now, just to let the record be clear. You didn't smoke before your walk this morning? I didn't actually. Huh. But today's episode is not sponsored by Offfield, but I've got an Offfield in my hand. Offfield's a very interesting brand. They reached out recently, especially after I started making more content around the fact that I use cannabis and I run. And they are a cannabis running company. This is a high-performance sports drink, quick source of energy to fuel the mind and body performance. And it's got five grams, five milligrams of THC, five grams. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Ten milligrams of CBD, ten milligrams of CBG, and a hundred milligrams of theanine. I believe it is. So anyway, I'm gonna sip on this throughout the course of today's show. If I can figure out how to open it. Oh, then you slide it back. That is interesting. It's got a uh, understandable, very child-proof top there, and we'll see what this thing does as we chat. So, New York City Marathon just came and went. You did not run, but you trained a lot of people. How many people did you have in the marathon? I had uh, 10 runners that I trained, and then two other runners that used the program that I gave you. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So Kelly is a running coach. She trains people virtually, right? Is there anybody local? There's people that are local, local, but you don't like actually go run with them. A couple times I have. But 90% of the coaching is done virtually. Virtually. I'm only in person because I'm married to her. And I've got a program that is in her database as Handsome Pants. When Andrew Murnane, who some of you know, and if you don't know, he's got hilarious content and also very thoughtful and smart content, and he's gotten into running baked as well, that has nothing specifically to do with this. But when he reached out and said, hey, I'm doing the marathon too, I was like, oh, check this out. I've got a full program. So he just literally used exactly what Kelly told me to do is exactly what Andrew Murnane did almost to a T. And then Tejas popped up, I don't know, I feel like it was only six weeks ago. It was like, hey, I'm doing the marathon. I was like, amazing. Here, check this out. If you want any help, Kelly put this program together. So I think he used it as well. So yeah, those were the two. It's funny that the two that were add-ons are Tejas and Andrew. So uh, how many did you have besides the extra two? Ten. Ten. And of the ten, how did did folks do? Like, how did you feel as a coach afterwards? 90% of them PR'd. I mean... And not just PR, blew it out of the water, like exceeded all expectations. It was a great day. And just for context, 
Because I think a lot of people are really intimidated by running overall, mm-hmm. super intimidated by marathons, as I was forever. The folks that you train range from I've never run a marathon before to I want to get super fast and try to hit like the crazy speeds that I would say are in like the Marcus Milione zone. But it's it's got that range to it for you, correct? Yeah, actually, one of my favorite people that I worked with um, this year, her name is Emily, and she actually lives in New York. I trained her from the couch to the marathon. Wow. Yeah. And she killed it. And her last maybe 800 meters, she just danced the whole Mm. way. She was so happy. And that's one of the reasons I love coaching. I love people. I love watching people set a goal and help them achieve it and crush it. She was the uh, run walk. In the beginning, yeah. yeah. She went from a run walk three to four days a week to a full blown marathon. And the New York City Marathon. That's nuts. I remember you talking about the having somebody that you were coaching that was run walk at first, which I think is super cool because again, I think people would assume, especially based off of your times, that it's intense and you don't do that type of thing unless you're somebody like Casey or Marcus or whomever that's like really trying to ramp things up. But you can literally go from the couch to a marathon. And how long did that take? Like, what's that full process? She, I have been working with her for almost a year. I mean, her goal in the beginning was a half marathon. We did that. And then she's like, you know what? I think I'm going to try out for the, I'm going to try and uh, throw my name in the hat for the New York City Marathon. And she did it. And I'm just so proud of her and like talking to her after and exchanging texts and emails and calls or whatever. And just like hearing the elation in her voice. I just, I, it makes me so excited. How did I perform in your eyes? Horrible. (laughs) You were, um, typical Tim, super annoyingly great. You were, I mean, a 16-minute PR. Every time we saw you, you're smiling, carrying all the things with you. Um, Phones and chargers and water bottles and bananas and bagels and a big smile. And, you know, a lot of people get down on the marathon. New York is very hard with all the hills, and you just... You know, talk to yourself. Where'd you get those fresh legs? You vibe off the crowd, and you and that's what it's all about. That's what a marathon is about, I think. What is your favorite running joke? <laughs> when I first moved to New York, I had zero friends because I only knew you, and so I was like, "Let me try and join a running club, um, just to make friends and meet people." Had so, you already decided to do a marathon at that point? Um, I can't. I think so. I think I did. I think I did. I was going to say because that for like we watched the marathon on the couch in, in November, 2007, yeah. right? And then you no, ran we the watched next it on one. the couch in 2005 and I ran it in 2006. Okay. So, anyway, so I like joined this running club to meet people and it was raining like sideways like shooting up when you're running and everyone was miserable and I'm like okay well whatever we're gonna be out here anyway so I look to the people next to me and I'm like I've heard of pedal jumping but this is ridiculous and they just shot out away from me in different directions and I never went back (laughs) you never went back after that I never went back after that I didn't make any friends um in the running club and so now I run alone and it's great (laughs) Who's your favorite person to run with? You do run with people sometimes. Infrequently. I, you know, I I do like running with you, 
But I love running with uh, my boy, Matt. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, just because we have a long running history together. We ran um, Berlin together. He helped me qualify for Boston for my first time. And he's just such a positive person when running. And he he taught me to always trick my brain into being like four and change, three and change. And I still say that to myself when I'm running What does that miles. mean? Three, three and whatever miles left, two and whatever. And then okay. when you get less than a mile, it's like, just change. And I don't know. For some reason, it works for me. And yeah, he's he's my buddy. So for context, how many marathons have you done? I have done uh, 18, 19 and two ultras. And how far had you run before your first? Um, half a block. And that was? <laughs> I was my own couch, couch to marathon. 23? I was 23, yeah. High school, middle school, college, not a runner. No, I was a cheerleader in high school, and that's probably why I love being a cheerleader for runners. And watching the marathon, watching the New York City Marathon from our couch on Cornelia Street in 2005, and that was it. Well, I watched it, and I was like, these people are so crazy. They're, like, throwing up. They're crying. Everyone's, like, in pain. And then I was like, I think I'm going to try that. <laughs> had, you, had you ever watched a New York City Marathon no. before? Or it was just because you, we lived here and we're like, cool, it's on TV. Let's check it out. Yeah, exactly. And then do you remember like your first few runs as you're like, okay, this is going to happen? They were probably like um, 1130. I mean, I knew nothing about running, nothing. So I just thought that you go out and you run as fast and as far as you can and then that's it. And then you get to eat everything mm -hmm. and then you just like rinse and repeat and just keep adding miles. I, I knew nothing about speed work, about conversation pace. I knew nothing about like eating good eating habits for a runner. So, you know, when I first started, I was running t like terrible and eating everything. The first marathon you did you had an elite number right you had f194 or something yeah. like that remind me how the hell you got an elite number for the first i one? don't i we both don't know i have no idea and i panicked and i was like i'm definitely not going up there i think i wrote them and they like gave me a new number and what no, does an elite number mean yeah oh an elite number is people who run like a 230 marathon. Oh, wow. Okay. Like the elite runners, the fast runners. Got it, got it, got it. something. Yeah, so... Did I run in that number? Yes, you did, because the the Wheaties box... Oh, has it? Yes. Yeah. Do you remember I what else know. you're wearing in that photo? An Under Armour shirt. And, and uh, what's on your arm? The running band. You had, for content, and this is the best thing, so I, I had Matt Choi... If you know running content, and if you watch any New York City Marathon content... There's a distinct possibility saw Matt Choi's content. He's everywhere. He's an amazing human being. Met him in person for the first time this past week. He came over for lunch and was just looking around the office. And he's like, yo, you got all the knickknacks. And he saw your Wheaties box and thought that that was incredible. And I pointed out the fact that you have an iPad. iPad. I keep saying iPad because nobody says iPod anymore. You had an iPod Nano, yeah, that's right, in a little you know armband strap, and there was like a white converter something that was in the bottom of it. Was that like for headphone jack or something? Do you I remember have, what that I was can't for? even remember. I mean, 10. do you know what I'm talking it's about? Like though, twenty years ago, yeah, I do know what you're talking about. I remember that, and I don't run with music at all anymore. But yes, those were. Did you did you listen to music that year? Yeah, I used to listen to a lot of Radiohead running and a lot of podcast running. 
And then I got serious about running, and now I only like to listen to my breathing and my footsteps. Yeah, she's nuts. Like for con- we are very different runners in that I can't do what she does. What she what she does is like get up and go. There seems like there's some mornings where you don't drink coffee. Even you'll just get up and go running. I know for the longer runs you'll make sure you have some food beforehand, and you'll drink a cup of coffee. But there's also a lot of mornings where you're just like, okay, cool, let's go. And no nothing, no headphones, no pre-workout, no, like, fancy stretching, all kind of, like, people get ready, ready. Kelly can just go run. <laughs> Those are shorter runs. Let's, yes, for, like, 60 minutes and below, I'll do that. And it's if, you know, we have a tight schedule with a right. daughter, and we both like to get up and work out, so. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I bring it up mostly, because, I mean, A, because I'll brag about you however I can, but also, I think it shows how you can literally go from I would never fathom doing any of this and over a long period of time, because to your point, that was 18 years ago now, you can all of a sudden be in a position where you're doing things even down to small details of what you're doing that you would have never fathomed ever before. I know I feel like that for a lot of stuff. I'm not nearly where you are from a speed perspective or if like I need preparation, like I need all the accoutrements right. and like four hours just to give myself time to just get ready, ready. But, uh, I think it's nuts. And it's also, it's, I can't tell you how many times I've gone running and I'll get like a half a mile away from the house. And no, this is not the part where I say, and then I have to run back home immediately because my stomach's bothering me. <laughs> That's where I thought you were yeah, going. Yeah, no, I knew. I'm like, I know exactly where Kelly thinks this is going, but I'll get a half a mile away from the house. I'm like, I do not know how the fuck she does this so often and do it just like clean, I'll say, where you're just out there running and you actually love it through and through. I do love it. I love running. What's the worst bathroom in New York City? Because if you're running in New York City, if you've trained for a marathon, there's a distinct possibility that you've known or gotten to know a lot of public restrooms. Yeah. What Do you have a worst that comes to mind? Um, yes. There's one in Red Hook and Coffee Park that is not good. Really creepy. There's actually dangerous three. or just gross just or gross. both. Just gross. The second like disgusting one is on the way on the running path down Williamsburg towards Greenpoint. It's not in Domino Park, but it's in one of those buildings and you have to go like around the back and that's really creepy. That's creepy and gross. And then um, I have have had to ask construction workers for their porta potty, which oddly they don't like to share. But it I'm was not surprised. Not good. There's an Instagram account called Got to Go NYC. Yes. Oh my god! And so this good. woman, what her yes. whole prerogative is that like New York City doesn't yep. have enough public restrooms. Which yep. to be fair, they've taken out public restrooms around New York City in the last like 50 years. It's a problem that she's yeah. like trying to bring attention to, and her whole account is. If you're in this neighborhood or these yep. cross streets, here's the best yep. public restroom. She rates them. And they're like secret hidden gyms inside of like retail stores or public ones that the city has that are like sort of hidden the behind yeah. things. Yep. It's a great account. I have to yeah. follow it. It's I- amazing. The first post I saw of hers, I thought it was just going to be like a one-off. It was li- The opening line was, come take a shit with me and blah, 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 and wherever it was. <laughs> And I'm like, good for her. This is so over the top. And she just fully went for it. And then I started to see more content pop up. And she rates wheelchair accessibility, like quality of toilet paper, accoutrements. Do they have 
sanitary products for women does a very thorough and like fair job to Miles point actually covers it not just from a hey this is going to be funny because you're going to come to a public restroom and use it and I'm going to tell you about what the experience was like there's actually like function to it while trying to raise awareness in regards to the discrepancy in some places do you know who else did this Costanza on Seinfeld. <laughs> George. He rated, he rated them? Yeah. He's like, oh, 43rd, 43rd and Broadway? Yeah, blah, blah, blah building. Oh, 5th and Park? Gotcha. Yeah. Like, he was, like, on it. Was this your first marathon? This is my second marathon. Second marathon. What yeah. was the first one? First one was last year in New York. Okay, so you've done two New Yorks. Yep. How did you feel last year compared to this year? Uh, a lot less anxious, I think. I kind of knew a lot less anxious relative to the distance and like, am I going to be able to make it? Yeah. It felt it, but yet at the same time, I feel like the last couple of last hour and a half were more difficult, yeah. maybe because I was just running faster. But I remember thinking mile two is at the other side of the bridge. Like this is going to fly by. But then, of course, you get to First Avenue and it starts to take a bit of time. The crowd noise was way more intense this year, I felt. I was, last year, around the marathon time, things were really starting to pick up steam from a social media perspective. And I was way, like, blown away by how many people were yelling my name. I didn't put my name on my bib intentionally just to see who would be like, hey, Tim. Because I started to see a pop up in comments, so like we're you know we'll be there, and I think you even told me that people were like, "Hey, who's going to go to mile seventeen yeah. or something?" And there was like organizing happening in the comments, which is yeah. so crazy which to think, so but cool. yeah, it's so it's so kind and sweet. So I was just curious who was actually going to recognize me and yell my name, and it was blew my expectations away last year by a country mile. Saw there was a sign out there, and this year. I feel like it's been – I have more followers, but I feel like there were things about last year around this time where people were really starting to, like, mimic the style that I was doing. Like, that's when, like, the other people were doing, like, POVs or Day in the Lives and they were using the same music. And that kind of had its moment like a lot of uh, trends do. So I had lower expectations this year, but yet it was probably 10 times as crazy from a crowd perspective from like a yeah. There were a couple there were a couple sections where it was overwhelming and that I was trying to like look around and at least give eye contact or like a nod yeah, or a yeah. wave or something and it was impossible. Oh yeah, no sunglasses, huh? No sunglasses. Okay. Yeah. That might be the trick next year. Isn't that weird? Sort of look that way. Yeah. Give him a glance. or like, oh, he looked at me and your sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I can't run with shades. I never have. Um, it's not, has not been my, has not been my jam. I, it's funny because you see a lot of people do it. I run with shades. You run with shades. Yeah. Marcus does. Matt does. Casey does. Casey I think Sean does. Yeah. <laughs> Casey, Casey lives in shades. But I couldn't, I couldn't do it, but. This year was this year was just 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 different in a few regards, and including did you, the training. Did you find that it had like the same hard part year to year? So like, what was the hardest part of the actual physical twenty six miles of that run? Great question. Same same place. What's that? That would be going into the park. Ah, uh, interesting. It's I think the most underrated difficult part of the marathon. 
is coming back into Manhattan. When you get past, when you get towards the park and you get into Fifth Avenue, that climb for that mile and a half or however long that is, everybody talks about First Avenue, everybody talks about the Queen, Queensboro Bridge, but what's past that is this seemingly fucking forever incline that sucks right before you go into the park that feels like it's the worst I part. remember it. I, I uh, was it a week after I did... London, I ran New York. No, you ran Boston a week after London. Something, I ran, the last time I ran New York, I ran a, a marathon right before it. And I saw you on Fifth Avenue, and I was like, help me. Yeah. And what year was this that you ran it? What was that? 18 or 19, probably. I think it was 19. And do you like find that it was the same hardest part, or what was your hardest part? I think I had just ran a marathon the week before, or two weeks before. And, and But how many New Yorks have you done? Five. And has there been a consistent hard part? No. I mean, I've run it over so many years, I can't really remember. But we'll find out next year when we run it together. That is the plan. And then when you're training people, do you warn them about certain sections? Yes, I do. And I, I incorporate a lot of um, hill training yeah. in in the programs I provide. Yeah, you have to. And I tell them, pull back on the hills. And everyone wants to go out so fast in the first mile because of the excitement and everyone's going for it. And I'm like, go slower. Let everybody pass you. That's straight uphill. Why are you going to use all your energy? First three miles are easy, easy, like conversation pace. Your your body will thank you at mile 17, 18. I did that. It was easier for me to do that this year for a couple of different reasons. So I was in a group that was way faster than I was. Ran for Project Healthy Minds this year, and my one of my running team buddies, a guy named Max Siegelman, who has the brand uh, Siegelman Stable, awesome brand that's uh, that's blowing up everywhere. They his marketing has been amazing. Just for a quick tangent, he's done collaborations with the Knicks and the Rangers, and they're small and like just getting off the ground. But he's got all these amazing connections, so you'll see like. Aaron Judge wearing his hats and people on the Knicks and people on the Rangers and the people that are sitting courtside. And like every time they went to a celeb in the Rangers opening night game, seemingly they had on one of his hats. Anyway, so we got to know each other a little bit going into the marathon. He and I found each other at the start and he was running with this guy who has a running club called Rage and Release. I believe his name is Ty. And they were kind of joking around about having a very casual 3.30 pace. And it was just like a really interesting way for things to start because they they just like had this appearance and like vibe about them where it was like so well-trained and perfect condition to just like run fast but have it be casual, which made it easier for me to be like, all right, peace. I'm not even going to be close to a 3.30, so y'all go have fun. Kind of cool to see everybody at the start line, and then yeah, I'll, uh, I'll just right hang. Move. Yeah, and literally just watch everybody pass me going up that first hill. And that's fine. You'll see them again, most of them. I didn't see any of them again, but. <laughs> <laughs> and then New York City Marathon. Like, I've lived here three or four years, and it's one of my favorite days of the year. Like, truly, I look forward to it. It's on the calendar. I tell people, like, 
I like to watch it alone in the morning. Like I have like my own little psycho way of watching it. I love it. I meet groups. I am very emotional by it. Like I really enjoy it. What is New York City sort of marathon like history for you guys? Like when did you first watch it? What were the emotions each time you're watching it? Like what does this sort of mean do you think to you guys specifically and then also to New York as a whole? You want to go first? Um, yeah, sure. So the first time I watched it, um, just a quick, I I was like appalled that anyone would do that. <laughs> and then when I did it, I cried. I don't, I'm not a very emotional person. I It takes a lot for me to cry. I cry when I PR running and I cry when I see other people running and either like crushing their goals or just starting out as running. Like I get so emotional and then, you know, when I'm talking to my runners um, on the phone and walking through the course and, you know, their strategy, I, like, get goosebumps because I'm just so excited for them. I mean, they train so long. It's so taxing on your body, on your mind. I think that people don't realize running is such a, a, a mind fuck. It's just, like, a in your head all the time, and that's what gets you through the finish. And I don't know. I just I love watching people run and cheering for them. I could watch it on TV. I, I love watching it in, in real life. Yeah. Um, and for New York, it's amazing to see millions of people out there and everybody is like the same person. Like it doesn't matter your nationality or your religion or your it doesn't nothing matters your age where you're from it's just you're out here to cheer people on and i just love that melting pot of cheering is but i got asked that by somebody who was interviewing people on the other side of the finish line somebody came up to me recognized me and was like hey i i'm a fan i knew that you were going to be coming through can i ask you some questions for it was either for the marathon or for the new york road runners and i gave almost an identical answer relative to like how if we can do this on this day, how do we not do this as a world on a consistent basis? Because you're right. It's so many different age ranges, ethnicities, backgrounds, nationalities, et cetera. And everybody's rooting for Everybody. each other the whole yeah. time. I don't remember the first one that I saw, but I remember from a pretty early age that it felt like an annual tradition before Thanksgiving that you would see this crazy shot of thousands of people running over the Verrazano. And it was just a really fun day. I don't think I saw one in person until I was living in the city by myself in my early 20s. And I think the first one that I really, really, really remember vividly was watching with you on the couch that morning before going in. Like, I remember being at a couple before that, but, like, just, like, little splots of memories in my head. But I distinctly remember sitting there with you watching and, like, having a conversation about it. And then going out to watch you and it's the it's the funny thing is it's the worst spectator sport on the planet if you're looking for somebody if you're looking for somebody it's a hot mess you show up and then you're just like doing this as people go by it gives you a headache it's oh like my god it is visually so overstimulating to try to find you're looking at an app and you're like oh i hope this app is somewhat accurate yep. so you are looking down at an app you're looking up and if you don't have their apple location or they don't have their phone on them you're looking at the New York City Marathon app, which is awesome. You can track people. Yep. But I'm always terrified that it's going to be a minute off. And that minute is so valuable. Yes. And you're only going to see them for 30 seconds. I had friends that had planned where they're going to be based on stops on the subway. Yeah. Start in Carroll Gardens. Then you take it up to 
the G to like Williamsburg and it's faster than the people running. Yep. Then you take the L across or the J or whatever it might be to get you to the next stop. And then you get up to that point in upper Manhattan where you can see them two times. If you run across those like seven blocks and you sort of catch them in the park. Yeah. And I was like, that's a crazy day. Too. The training is the training. The, um, the following is tough. Yeah. Last year we caught Tim five times. We were able to see him five different times, which is so fun because it was his first marathon and I had all these like jumbo heads of Tim made and I put them on popsicle sticks. So wherever we were, I asked everybody around us to hold a popsicle stick of his head. So he would just be running and seeing his own face. And he did that. He saw it maybe five times you saw us. Yeah. This year we saw you only three times. No, two times. The the one time we were there and ready and then we went and got lunch and missed you. <laughs> so I mean we missed you by seconds. So I was like, oh motherfucker. He's already on the bridge. How did that happen? I'll never forget last year when you forgot to bring me the refill oh, yeah. at the first stop. And I was so ready to like swap out water bottles and had this whole thing planned. And I was like, hey, where is it? And you were like, and the best part was somebody else was filming us saying hi to each other. And they totally caught you looking, turning around and being like, whoops. <laughs> and then I was like, we'll catch you on the next one. The Sorry best way, that. the best way to get around New York City to watch the marathon and to see people as often as possible is on a Vespa. The year that I had a Vespa was, I think I saw you like seven or nine times because it was so easy because you can, it's obviously like a motorized bike, so you can get through narrow spaces and you can get past where there's cop barricades simply because they're blocking off the block before the block, right? So places right. where you couldn't like go east or west in the city, or places around here where you couldn't get close to Fourth Avenue, I could get like right up against it, hop off, run over, say hi, hop back on, and then just keep like jumping around that way. And that was the that was the best way to. See I wonder people. if you could do that now because I'm I was four minutes a mile slower then. I mean, that's wow! Holy shit! Really, four yeah. minutes? Good God! Four minutes a mile. I yeah. was thirty seconds faster a mile this year, and that felt like. A crazy jump. I think that's an amazing jump. That's a big PR. In fact, it's actually, now that I say that out loud, that's kind of bullshit. It didn't feel like a huge jump on paper. It looks like a huge jump, but it didn't feel like a huge jump running. You had the most even splits. Like, your splits are what dreams are made of. I mean, they, you were you are the most consistent runner. I think you went between, like, a 10.06 pace and a 10.12 pace the whole time. And like I stopped, It was crazy. I stopped to pee three times. And you saved a life at the end. So you're just Superman. Distinct possibility that that person could have had a different right. outcome. That was absolutely. Thankfully he didn't. Thankfully he didn't. Oh, yeah. Can you talk about that? <laughs> sure. Uh, at the end, let me take a step back first. So starts off with being on the bridge with Max and, and Ty. And I'll, I'll just never forget having a conversation with Ty for the first time. He had on these yellow shades. And his club rage and release is about cannabis and running so we had this interesting conversation quickly about cannabis and running and he's just like really tall incredibly handsome man who actually models and it was just like a very intense way for things to start but kind of fun too i'm like this feels like a modern seinfeld episode to a certain extent just because of the characters in the conversation goes off you know uh gun goes off we start running felt kind of normal relative to last year, obviously not nearly as hot. And 
then it was just kind of fun for a while. Just hammering along, did my usual thing. I'm going to try to eat as many snacks along the way as possible. Uh, I tried to thank as many people for their snacks in the <laughs> video that I was making along the way as possible. There was one dude who was bought like nobody else is even close to being around. I'm surprised I don't know the name of the street off the top of my head because it was like such a distinct street name in Williamsburg that's like you would have never heard of it or you probably don't know it unless you have been over to Williamsburg in this area. And he was by himself. Like there was nobody even close and he was handing out Welch's fruit snacks. I also remember being like, wow, these are way more difficult to chew than what I had in my (laughs) head. They're pretty tough little snacks. Like they're not exactly melt in your mouth kind of gummies. They're, I love Welch's. They're great, but it was just way more dense than I expected. So I think I put way too many in my mouth at first, and I was like, oh, my God, I just kind of, like, glued my mouth shut there for (laughs) a second. Um, And I think the edible was kicking in at that point, too, or even more so, which kind of gives you dry mouth on top of, like, then Welch's spackle. Going through Fort Greene was really intense from a crowd perspective, and people yelling. Williamsburg was really intense from a crowd perspective, and people yelling. Then kind of gets quiet in Queens. Queensboro Bridge is amazing because that's where people start to get miserable, I think. And it is just feet and breathing, and that's all you hear. And then at some point you can start to hear First Avenue. And I remember getting chills thinking about that going into year one. And this year was kind of fun of knowing, like, all it's right, coming. yeah. And then it's also a really fun place to get off the bridge. And as you go around that, like, almost 90 degree turn to run like close to the crowd and kind of like try to get them even more excited. Cause I think it kind of depends on the wave and it depends on the runners too, right? Like the people in the crowd will feed off of the runner's energy as well. If people are just running, there can be sections where people are just clapping in return, but the people that will run by and like, be like, come on. dude, And so that's a perfect section for me to be a total lunatic and run by and that's when I've two years in a row I've yelled at the top of my voice and you know I don't yell. Uh, thank you for coming out today. And I just like keep repeating that as I go through. Get the bagel from my boss, who I think was the only there were like two or three signs out there with my name on it. One of those was from my boss, which is he's the nicest boss on the planet. I love that I think. it didn't even say go Tim, it just said Tim. No, I think it had go on the top. Oh, I didn't yeah. see that. Yeah. I just saw Tim. I think it, he emphasized the Tim part to yeah. make sure that I saw Perfect. him and knew where, to, knew where to get the bagel. Two years in a row, he's handed me a cinnamon raisin bagel at the corner of like 80th and 1st Avenue. What mile would that be? 16 or so. It's a nice pick-me-up. Yeah. It's, it's a an, nice New York City like pick-me-up. Yeah. yeah. And it's actually, I remember thinking last year this was brilliant, like brilliant choice food-wise, even though it was kind of just an odd yeah, bring me a bagel. I don't know. I didn't know what to really ask for. I didn't know what would make the most sense. And then I remember it being amazing, but then I forgot that it was amazing, asked for the same thing again, kind of regretted it as I got closer of like, oh, I'm going to have a bagel again. Like, this is stupid. Why did I ask for a bagel again? And then as soon as I got it, I'm like, this is why it's amazing. It's easy to hold. It forces you to refocus on your breathing because it's not easy to chew, right? So you take a bite of it, and all of a sudden you're like really forcing breathing through your nose. And that that's actually felt like a really good thing to do around that mile, if that makes any sense. 
and it's just like a slow burn carb. So it's tasty, it's plain, it didn't make me nauseous, and it's easy to hold on to. And I held on to that thing until the finish line. Though what I did get super nauseous around like, I want to say mile 20 or so. Did I tell you that? No, we saw you at 22, but your head was down, but you guys were running into the sun, so I figure. Yeah. I was not feeling great at that point. And also, like, I I don't know, I don't even know if I told you about the, like, mild panic attack I had at mile 26. No. <laughs> so last year, around mile 22, some somebody nice enough person came up and was like, this is crazy i ran into casey neistat earlier this week and now i'm seeing you on the marathon course and he starts talking to me and um he was nice enough and it's keeping the miles going along but i found myself to be talking too much at one point i'm like i have to stop talking and then somebody yelled my name like two seconds later and i yelled back at them i'm like i'm doing a terrible <laughs> job at this i just can't shut up and we at one point, it was like, all right, we're, he's just, he was obviously faster than I was and keeping his pace slow just so that he could run with me and have a conversation. And last summer was when Jeff passed away. And so that was in my head through a lot of that training. I told him towards the end of the race, I'm like, uh, no offense, but I need to finish this race by myself. And explained to him briefly and he's like you don't need to explain it totally makes sense he's like i'm i'm gonna take off now and just left hmm. and so i finished the race by myself and i remember feeling oddly numb at the end and you see the the photos to the finish last year there's like almost zero expression on my face the video that i took of myself afterwards was like just kind of casually walking away um i was proud and i felt great but like i i was not the emotional kind of like meltdown that I expected so I started thinking about that around mile 26 and then like all the crazy shit that's happened this year good bad crazy amazing difficult whatever and I started just like losing it like losing it hard to a point where I was nervous about like hyperventilating this year yeah and was like, you have to get your shit together. This would happen in like a 45 second blur. So like literally, like if you don't start, if you don't start controlling your breathing, you're gonna pass out. And then got my breathing together. Five seconds later, I look up and there's somebody stumbling around, like full on stumbling and a guy trying to help this other person out. Are you able to see the finish line at this point? No. But okay. you're, you're back in the park, so you're, yeah. no, like you're past the 20, you're 20... Yeah. Past the 26-mile marker, there's still 0.2 to go, but 0.2 miles is how many blocks? Five blocks. Five blocks. So, and it's, and it's up a hill. It's up a little hill and around a corner, so you don't actually see the finish line. So, no way I'm not stopping and especially it was like directly in front of me like it's not the widest finish either it's wide and I could have been on a different side and potentially had enough people in between us that like it would have been awkward to get over somebody else could have ended up stopping but it was like right in front of me like there was no there was zero question as to whether or not 
I was going to stop and get involved in some capacity. Stop, we get him on his feet and can immediately tell that, like, all of his body weight is not on his feet. And he's heavy to carry. And we both kind of look at the other person that stopped to help. We look at each other and we both just start yelling for medical. And I remember yelling for medical and I hearing people yelling my name back. They were just cheering and also realizing very quickly that it is far too loud for people to understand what I'm yelling, even though it might look obvious. But at the same time, too, is it just like a friend that's tired and it looks dramatic, but it's not really dramatic. But I'm like, no, based off of how much weight that I have on my side, let alone the fact that there's the other half of the person that the other person is carrying, being like, okay, this is like he's really, really, really struggling. And this is all obviously all happening super fast. That's when we kind of made this nonverbal decision together that it's going to be way faster to get him to the finish line to get help than it is to just wait here or to pull over. And especially because there's barricades and then there's grandstands. So there's really not anywhere to pull over where help can get to you. They'd have to come from the finish line probably anyway. So all of that happening in the blink of an eye, even though probably it took us two-ish minutes, I would guess, if we had, say, three blocks to walk with him at this point. And... Is he conscious? Where, where's he at? I you, he's he's conscious enough that it, you yeah, I, yeah. we can tell that his feet are moving. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, and we're both trying to encourage. We're like, we're almost there, man. Like you're gonna, you're actually, you're gonna finish, dude. Like we're good, we're good. Hang in there, hang in there. And also trying to just be cognizant too of like, is anybody coming out to help? Like, what else is going on here? Plus, starting to make eye contact at the finish line of like this is a situation you need to come immediately address. This isn't just like we're, again, carrying your buddy over the finish line because they're tired and they're dehydrated. Like, we think he's in legitimate trouble here. Um, But at the same time, too, we don't, you just don't know. Get him to the finish line and get him with somebody from medical. Then it gets, like, really chaotic because one woman comes over to help I didn't realize until watching some of the footage afterwards that she wasn't actually medical. She was just like somebody. Yeah, she was a volunteer. Yeah. yeah. Then she gets medical as medical is coming over and like I've still got my arm underneath the person. I reach over to give a hug to the person that I carried him with just to be like, wow, that was nuts. You and I just had a moment there together and we have no idea who you are on the planet, but we're now kind of like bound for life in some regards that we carried somebody over the finish line at the New York City Marathon at the very end completely unexpectedly. And then I look up and I see this guy that I used to work with who was on my team on Colonel for a long time. And I was like, holy shit, Elliot, what's going on, man? Like how, like this is all happening very fast and very odd. Uh, Then medical... Then it was like definitely, you know, they started. I didn't even notice when they put him in the wheelchair. I just knew that he had like four or five people around him. And I was like, okay, don't know what to do other than keep walking. Right. Everyone's at that point, there's nothing else you can do. Right. right? Exactly. That too. So 
keep walking and it wasn't until I don't know, like I don't, I forgive you when I started to be like, hey, the finish was actually kind of nuts because it happened so fast. But yeah, he um he had a hundred and eight fever, spoke to him afterwards, you know, was able to track him down. Didn't talk, I didn't put it in the initial recap intentionally because I didn't know how he was, so I didn't feel appropriate to because it wasn't until like Tuesday or Wednesday that I think I actually made a post about it. And at that point I had talked to his parents and they that was a crazy conversation. Then by Wednesday I spoke with him and he said, yeah, he had a hundred knee fever. He doesn't really remember the end, which is makes perfect sense. Um, and it was it was a dicey situation. Uh and I still can't believe that that like actually happened, right? The just yeah, the... you like see you like see um, marathon recaps. Like I've seen things like yeah. this, people being carried across, and you just don't think that you're going to be the one doing it. So to hear that you did it is like wild, and so lucky for him. And I don't know, it's really scary. It's really scary, especially. Again, not knowing what shape he was in, knowing that it was worse enough shape that we needed to be as smart and fast as we could be, but at the same time, not like, I don't know, you don't you don't really know how to compute all of that. But then after the fact, to be like, okay, the marathon happened, and that's now part of the story too. Like it almost didn't make sense, as though it was fictional to a certain degree. And I think I'm still wrapping my head around it because things just move so fast overall. And I focus sometimes on like the most appropriate way to tell the story versus just telling the story. And that kind of makes it like get trapped in your head a little bit that makes it more difficult to get out, but then also adds on this layer of I'm telling the story to try to be sensitive to the people involved as best I can. But at the same time, it's still my story too. But you can't just be, I don't know, I, I'm probably more cautious in that regard, which makes it like get stuck in your head, but then it adds other layers to it. So then it can be more difficult to process like the exact details of what happened when you know everything, everything, everything. But you can't, you don't share everything, everything, everything. And I think that that can be very jarring as a creator sometimes when you're like, here's the, the, the there's the real story. There's the story that I can tell, and then there's the story that I can tell and how well I can tell that without it sounding either dramatic or too bland or too whatever. And so then that case, it can be like, in some cases, wow, all this time went by and I'm still like, did that actually happen? Or was that some sort of like weird fucking crazy dream that just popped into my brain at the end? Because there's no way all of that drama that goes through the training and all the shit that goes in the training, especially this year running in the rain so much and all that kind of stuff, and then be in a position where the fucking marathon is 0.2 miles from being completed and this is really unfolding right now, and then to kind of like digest and start the piece, put the pieces together. I'm actually hoping, and I should try to call him after this, or like at some point, the other person that was carrying the person uh, sent me a, we got in contact. He sent me a text yesterday. Um, and I was like, we gotta, we gotta have a conversation, but that was nuts. I wonder what next year we'll have in store. Yeah. I was going to say, so you're both running it next year. Hopefully you don't have to save anyone along the way. Maybe you'll carry me. 
I would happily carry you. <laughs> Only if I could carry you like a wedding, like a bride on over the threshold. I don't know. There's a bad joke in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so any thoughts, opinions, like predictions for next year? I think he's going to be even faster because we're going to be, um, you know, he, he has all the miles under his belt. He's used to it now. And, you know, now if I just incorporate speed work into his his um, programming, I think he's going to PR again. The speed work is my least favorite, though. It's so complicated. Well, what we're going to have to do is get you a Garmin, which you're nope. a third nope. watch. <laughs> no, I'll just doing the peers is fine. Predictions for next year are doing it again, which I would be incredibly stoked to do, which I can't believe is coming out of my mouth now. I feel like just yesterday I was avo- I literally avoided the email. You got me into 2020. 2020 obviously didn't happen. The next year they said an email. It's like, cool, sign up for this year or default to 22. And I remember being like, it's still unread in my inbox, so technically I haven't seen it yet. Like, <laughs> I'm just going to wait. And like, oh, don't have to worry about that for another year. And I was like, fuck, now I really have to do this thing. And now I'm like, dope. How many days until next year? And do you remember why I told you I really want to run the New York City Marathon with you? For the snacks? Well, obviously. <laughs> because we get to get our names printed together in the New oh, York Times. Oh, that's right. Yes, that is, that is pretty remarkable. When they print all the names. Oh, that's cool. The next day, I thought that would be so cool. And then one day, it'll be me, you, and Ev. We have to... <laughs> it's not impossible. No, it's not. She's done 5Ks. And she's, she's great. Do we have, we have to have the same exact time. Yeah. So, so we literally no, have to... Yeah, we do. We have to have the same exact time. Yeah. And hopefully, there's something alphabetical to it, too. Right? No, I think it's all just... Down to the second. Yeah, but there's, I bet if we look in the thing, there's people that have the same exact times down to the second. Oh, I don't know. I didn't look that hard. Yeah. We're going to have to check that out. We're going to have to see because then it comes down to bib numbers or alphabetical. And then it could potentially come down to alphabetical relative to first name or last name. Okay, whatever. I just want to. <laughs> well, if we, if this is, if the end goal is for this one specific thing, we got some, we got some homework to do. Yeah, more homework than just training for the marathon. Right. I guess now you have so. to really time it. You look that up, and I'll I'll tr- I'll program us. It's a deal, okay. and then Andrew and Tejas can. Because Andrew's running again, and I think Tejas is going to also. That's the thing with New York City Marathon. You run it once, you really do get addicted to it. I know I've talked to you before. I'm like, what other marathons do you want to try? And you're like, what are you talking about? You said New York was the best. Why would I do any other marathon? Yeah. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Somebody asked me that in Instagram, and it's kind of te- like. London was pretty cool. London was dope. Boston looks terrible, and I'm not fast enough anyway. Tokyo looked interesting. Mm-hmm. Berlin looked really fun. Chicago looked fun. I did not like Chicago. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. I found it boring. Really? <gasps> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I don't know. You know which one I liked? Uh, because I I crushed it because I had a chip on my shoulder when I wine ran glass. it. The wine glass marathon. I really liked it. It's super fast. Um, I was inspired by a woman pushing her son the whole time. And she, mm. she pushes her son and she got a sub three. She's like so – I just love seeing people yeah. excel. The, like, the, thing that, the things that you see out there are 
incredible. Yeah. I saw somebody with um, two walking canes that was yeah. literally having to go cane feet, cane feet, like in in you. Then that's how they're getting through the marathon. Obviously, there's the people that are pedaling with their hands. Mm-hmm. There were people pushing other people. There were, you know, you see prosthetics, and you're just like, I have the blind runners. Oh my god, so like, cool to see! It's just so empowering out there. It's so motivating. Speed round as we're getting close to. Uh, we've had this conversation for an hour now. Wow. Well, you are long-winded by nature. Oh, there you go. Plug. Thank you. <laughs> by the way, off-field, pretty good. Um, I've had three-quarters of it. I can definitely feel it in my brain. It'll be interesting to try it before an actual run. It's not intended to be like a podcast beverage. Got it. But it's pretty tasty, too. It's it's one of those where you've, you've, you've had like a, a drink, right? When we've been in Oregon, you've had some like a Maybe soda or I've something. Maybe I've tried, yeah. Where you can you kind of like taste it on your tongue a little bit even after the fact. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's got it's a little. Years. It's got a little bit of that action going on. <laughs> What's your dinner? I really want empanadas. Empanadas. I know you want sushi. Well, are we gonna? Anyway, we'll, we'll come back to that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> we'll come back to that conversation. Speed rounds question do not include what's your dinner, but they do include favorite running training meal. Oh. I don't have one. I just I just love eating, so whatever. You know what? I love carbs, so I'm going to say uh, anything with carbs. Favorite Pizza. running Favorite running training snack? Well, there's only really one snack in my life, and it's Annie's cookies. <laughs> favorite pre-running food? Two. I have to have two before I run. Yeah. One, I wake up. And with my coffee, I have rice cake with peanut butter. And then about 40 minutes before my run, I have an Anabar protein bar. You, they are my favorite. You are – you're leaving out my – I was leading you down a trail. Oh, to say I'm something. sorry. The blueberry muffins. Oh, my God. And you – and you that's a staple. It like, is. How I, many, I've made you – how many dozens of muffins? Okay. So let me tell you something. And I'm not being quick. defensive of, like, not bringing it up. I'm just surprised that you don't – I love the blueberry muffins, but honestly – I'm hungry again before I run, even with the blueberry muffin. Right. So I'll swap out. I won't have the rice cake with peanut butter. I'll have the blueberry muffin. But then I'm hungry. I'm hungrier, quicker. So I have to eat the protein bar. So I can't eat the blueberry muffin on a long run. Only on like 60 or less. Totally fair. And I wasn't, I was just surprised that it was less about there being like attachment to my muffins, it Your was more like... Your muffins are so good. Like, every time when Kelly comes down in the morning and I'm already up, after she comes and says good morning, she turns her coffee machine on, usually the next sound I hear is the, the oven gas going. oven going on. <laughs> so, favorite running meal is kind of all over the place. Yeah. It ranges from pizza to empanadas and well, just you, anything you, with carbs. You are sushi heavy, so yep. we eat a lot of so sushi. Uh, so. Favorite running snack is all the... T- favorite in during running... Gel is Morton's, but I cannot wait to be. I take a break from running gels. Favorite running shoe, Hoka's. Unless I'm racing, then it's Nike Vaporfly. Favorite, That's my marathon shoe. Favorite running clothes. I'm really liking Tracksmith. Favorite famous runner. Sarah Hall. Ah, interesting. Who did you think I was going to say? I have no idea. Okay. Uh, or maybe um. 
I was expecting another name, but I can't say that I wouldn't remember the name. But if you would have said the name, I would have been like, that's who I was expecting. I can like kind of see her in my head. But anyway, this is not turning out to be rapid. I just really like Sarah Hall. Favorite race is New York City Marathon. I mean, because of the crowd. Yeah. And who is your favorite person to Oh, be? you were thinking I was going to say Shalane. Yes. Because when I saw her at the airport in Oregon, I freaked out and I took a picture with her. And it's the same, oh my God, I'm freaked out photo that, uh, like, same face that I had when I saw Henrik Lundqvist. (laughs) 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 It's like your smile is so big, you look like a total goofball, but you don't care because you're, like, next to somebody you admire so much. So those two photos, I look the exact same. I couldn't think of a better ending for this conversation because... Nobody would have expected, myself included, for Henrik Lundqvist to come up in this conversation. But he just got into the Hockey Hall of Fame, Mm -hmm. and he just came up as part of the Marathon marathon episode. Thanks for being the first guest. Thanks for having uh, me. Yeah. How was I as a host? You were great. Yeah. You're really engaging. Oh, great. That's awesome. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) 